Hey, it's Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, everybody. It is a bonus episode. We are Thanks the story guys. We are the story guys at gmail.com is how you get involved with us. You know, one of our earliest listeners that really sent us a lot of letters back in the day, haven't heard from her in, in a bit, is Diane. Remember Diane, who used yeah. to say that she hated mailbag episodes, even though she like wrote letters all the time? I was like, right. and, and now Diane's going to be in a mailbag episode. She's well, again, she's been in a mailbag episode before, whether or not she knows it. So, uh, but she sent a note a while back, uh, more than a year ago, suggesting that we pay a little more attention to her hometown of Detroit, which I think is a fair criticism of the show. We've talked yeah. about Iggy and um, a few folks, Stooges. but yeah, we've probably not spent enough time yeah. there. Yeah. Oh man, I love the Stooges so much. We haven't talked about the Stooges, we, but we can talk more about. We've talked a lot about Iggy, though, and I, I. Okay, anyway, let's not get distracted. Let's. So this is what Diane suggested. She said a, a while back that we might want to look into talking about who she referred to as Sugar Man, uh, who the world knows as Rodriguez. And I think you know a little bit more about Rodriguez because you're the documentary guy among us, and I know that this documentary was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, yeah, and I think it ceased to ceased to like it's like. Like, that's how you say his name? Uh, and I didn't know what his first name was for a long time. So how, how I discovered him and other people might have is uh, Rodriguez, a lot of people call him. He was in, there was a documentary about him called Searching for Sugar Man. And so he had these LPs that came out and they got to Cape Town in South Africa, where they had an enormous amount of, you know, protesting and, and, and they apparently took upon some of Rodriguez's songs to be these inspirations for, you know, people that were rising up against apartheid. It's a big freaking deal. Yeah. Where is he? I heard he was dead. Right. I heard he, he committed suicide. Right. So and all so, these legends, like we talk about lore, right? And he is sort of the ultimate oh, lore guy. Yeah. And, and here's, and like, I've watched this documentary more than once. And what I didn't know, like I, I didn't know that just totally blew my mind was that he he toured in well, he was in Australia like in the seventies and he kind of was headed had something going on there. Yeah. And like the, he toured like and did Australia. But if you're in South Africa, you have a media blackout, you have no idea that this guy's went to Australia and had a tour <laughs> and been successful. They just don't know. And so it is so strange when you run into so, these stories where so closed that, countries like you forget about that. Yeah. So that's the, the twist. But so that's the criticism of the documentary itself. But the idea is that, you know, they is finding when they find Rodriguez, when you watch this documentary, it is like everything that rock and roll magic is made of. It's a it's a, a just a brilliant thing. And then he went from not being a musician because he wasn't being a musician. He just failed and did two records. Um, but he had no idea of that people were listening to him all over the place. And they were, they were pressing records too, man. And then this documentary comes about because eventually somebody realizes he's not dead, right? I mean, this reminds me a little go bit. find him. Yeah. They go find him. It's, it's searching it's, for sugar, man. It's it's magical. It's absolutely wonderful because you're watching it through to basically to like really passionate rock and roll like music fans who have been who find that that his music is so important to them that they take it upon themselves to go try to find it. I mean, that's what it's about. And it's it's a real lovely story, really. But most of the time he was in Detroit. 
Yeah, he was working like he was like construction or doing drywall or building houses. Like he was he was working hard labor and he was an artist and he had no idea that his music was affecting people. And then from there in the documentary, I mean, I've seen him playing on like, you know, festival stages in Europe. It's like, wow. Well, and he did Letterman and Leno back in the mm-hmm. back in the day when this whole broke. I remember when it broke and I remember that album that was originally came out I think in 70 or 71 and was suddenly back out and everyone was talking about it as one of the best records of the year in uh, 2012 and it really it's an amazing story that reminds me a little bit of the Paul Pena story that we talked about when we talked about um, Jet Airliner by Steve Miller Band this guy who yeah. wrote this song and then got sort of in a terrible deal and was not able to participate in rock and roll and uh, meanwhile, went ahead and like lived a full life and did a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. And uh, eventually, Andy was blind, and he eventually gets yeah. to play, you know, on Conan or something. Uh, that song years later, when he's it's all sort of rediscovered and the pieces are put back together. So, R.I.P. Rodriguez, uh, what a guy! And again, the, the name of the documentary is it's search uh, search searching for Sugar Man. And if you need just to jump off, if you have no idea, he has a song called Crucify Your Mind. And that's it. And you'll be like, oh, he, he's like that. It's, it's hard not to see hear Dylan in it because it, it sort of feels like what Dylan feels like. But, you know, obviously he doesn't sing at all what Dylan does. So imagine what, he, the, what the words he's saying and how different they are. You know, it's, it's, the music's really lovely and it's lost in time, really. So RIP to, to him for sure. Was it a huntsman or a player that made you pay the cost That now assumes relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss Were you tortured by your own thirst in those pleasures that you seek That made you Tom the Curious, that makes you James the Weak And you claim you got something. Another big name that left us uh, in the last week is uh, Jerry Moss. Now, people may say, I have no idea who Jerry Moss is, but you know. Amazing football player? You, yes. You, you know the letter. You know the M, because he is the M in A and M records. Yeah. This, him and Herb Albert. Uh, right. That's yeah. Good. Herb Alper. Yeah. Which Herb Alper, hold on. Let's, can we player. talk about Herb Alper for a second? What was your? I want to see if we have the same entry point for Herb Alper. When did you suddenly become aware of Herb Alper? I I bought a, a used LP because of the cover. Of the, <laughs> I was gonna say it has to do with an album cover. Garen fucking T. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Those those guys had a record label, and they signed The Police yeah, they did. in Soundgarden. Yeah, but like after they had done a bunch of stuff where they were worried people thought they were an easy listening record label, right? And it started right. in Herb Alpert's garage. It's one of these classic stories, much like right. you hear around Apple or whoever, right? Like it's like, oh, we just were tooling around our garage and we... We decided to give this a shot, and we, and then they expand, and they do end up, and people are sort of like, you're never going to be able to break into rock and roll, and whew, did they show them. Uh, the Go-Go's, who we've talked about plenty on this show before, they, they were an A&M band, the Police, of course, as you said, and uh, Soundgarden, also an yeah. A&M band, which is, which is fun. I think at that point yeah. they had sold, but, they were, but Jerry and Herb right. were still pretty involved up until like they, the early to mid-90s. 
They they were. And just to let you know how that garage stuff didn't, where everyone said it wasn't going to work out. In 89, they sold all of their recorded music business to Polygram for $500 million, which is <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good chunk of change. By, by, by the way, everybody, 89 is a long freaking time ago. And that's $1.2 billion is what that is. Well, today. and, you know, Jerry Moss in his later years, the last 10 years or whatever, he's just been a philanthropist mostly. And so there's a big music center in LA that's new in the last five or 10 years that has Jerry Moss's name on it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. And then he got into, he got into something that brought him to Louisville, Kentucky, our hometown, which is he got into horse racing. Yeah. He, he won it. He had a derby horse that won the, what was that? Oh, five. Uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think it was right? 2005. And then he may have had another one, too. But in 2005, he wins. Uh, so, that, you know, yeah, this, this is a guy who had a lot of money, a lot of a lot of police and go-go's money uh, to spend on other things. And, you know, by all counts, one of the things that's sort of great about this story is that Urban, Herb and, uh, and Jerry were buddies and partners the whole time. But yeah, they they're sort of work. like outliers. As much as you're used to listening to the show and we're talking about partnerships that implode, this is a partnership that didn't implode. Right. And so long ago, they used to work like doo-wop records and stuff to radio. Like those guys did that work, you know, um, which is crazy. The, the other horse spot, it was Guacamo, and the oh, other horse was, 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 was the, Yeah, it's after the police. Yeah, I forgot. So, he named him after a police record. Right, right. And so here's here's what's really important, I think, about Jerry Moss. And I, I read this. So so they signed um, the police in 78. And so Sting just stayed on with A&M. Like he never left. And this is a quote. And this is from the New York Times a bit. They were gentlemen. I think their extraordinary success was really pre- predicated on those very human qualities, not being ruthless businessmen or kill or be killed people. They were artist friendly. And right. Um, I think they had a disagreement with Waylon Jennings about like what he wanted to do with his career. And, and, and they, he had to deal with RCA where he did those country hits and they let him out of the contract. You know, it's like it's, and there's some other quote I read where, I think it was Jerry. It was actually Jerry Moss's words himself, and he, it was saying, "You can't make people play other music. Like you have to let the artists play their music," which is refreshing to hear. Uh, and it's too bad there weren't like you know five hundred other guys like Jerry Moss. Well, right? and in their part of well, our show probably wouldn't be as good if if everybody was like Jerry Moss. We we don't talk about it. We don't have to talk about oh, yeah, the- crooked A and M guys because they didn't really exist. <laughs> Yeah, because we want to talk about Colonel Tom Parker because it's like we talk about jerks. Dude. Yeah, we mostly talk about jerks. A couple of key A and M records that changed the world, or at least you know changed music a little bit, were uh, Frampton Comes Alive. Frampton that, Comes Alive. That's an A and M record. And then you also have it's it's through a partnership, but they released Tapestry. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's the other big record. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and they they had Cat Stevens. So all those Cat Stevens, like Yusuf Islam, all of his records in the 70s were all in A&M. Well, and, and the other thing about Moss that I know when, when I was reading about him, I was like, this is why Murdoch's a Moss guy, is, you know, what made him think rock and roll was a good idea, right? He, no. He went to Monterey Pop. Oh. Which well, is where all good lovely. things happen when you tell stories. Yeah. You're like, it's yeah. either Mot- Motley Crue, Kiss, or Monterey Pop. 
Those those right. three things are involved if I'm there. Yeah. When all the white folks started to leave, Otis turned around instead of doing shake in the normal speed. I think he told him to do it triple time. <laughs> and that's when you hear shake at Monterey Pop. It feels like everybody's on speed. And it's uh, like, no, they were trying to get everybody to dance. That's so funny. And, um, yeah. There, and Jimi Hendrix was at Monterey Pop. Let's just not like an amazing like weekend of music like is all brought about the experience's debut where he's like on like tripping his balls off <laughs> he really was tripping his balls off and throws the lighter fluid on like monterey pop is a big deal and yeah. when you have people that, like jerry moss that are artist friendly that are at things like that you know good things will happen and that's that's what he did so that's what he was a big significant force and uh, a bummer to lose a good guy. Yeah, let, let, let me end with this, and then we'll hear a little. Uh, we'll hear a little Herb Alpert for him because we don't get a chance to play Herb a whole lot. So we'll we'll do the song that breaks them uh, in just a second. But this is this is a quote from Herb Alpert talking about Jerry. Jerry and I never ever signed an agreement or contract together with each other. We literally didn't have a contract that we were legally partners. It was unbelievable. We took this company from two people to 500, and I never had a written agreement with Jerry because I trusted Jerry and Jerry trusted me. We sold the company that first time we put our, and that was the first time we put our names down on a contract when we were agreeing to a sale. So, yeah. hats off to two guys who made it work for all those right. years and then laughed all the way to the bank. This is the Lonely Bull. Remember the Lonely Bull? This is the song yeah. that, that breaks Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, and it is. It's an experience. Enjoy. I saw that Herb Alpert record with a mutual friend of ours now, Ben, uh, who I knew as a kid, and he was he was big into jazz, and as a, when we were kids, because he's always been forty, and he had uh, jazz, but he also had some gateway drugs, and one of the gateway drugs was was probably that particular Herb Alpert album, um, but I think he had even more than that, and I remember like sometimes seeing them on PBS, and being like, what is this? I didn't. I never saw on PBS, man. I totally missed out on that, for sure. Uh, so uh, before we uh, finish, I, I thought I would pull a couple of letters from the stack. Of course, you can always write to us. It's we are the story guys at gmail dot com. Uh, this one is fun. Hey, story guys, can't be- begin to tell you how much I love bedtime stories. There's not one episode I've heard that I haven't learned something new and wild, some sort of deep cut of info about someone that I thought I knew everything about. I appreciate the reads. Yeah, I know, right? That's a really that's like all the hugs. That's like everything. Thank you. I appreciate the research as well as I love the enthusiasm you guys bring to each show. I often tell people what I lack in talent, I make up for an enthusiasm. Uh, you guys have the best job in the world. Yes, I, I agree with that. And uh, Bedtime Stories has rapidly become my favorite podcast. It took me a f- this is the fun part, though. This is the funny part. It's going to make you laugh. It took me a few episodes to figure something out. You and I have something in common. I also live in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Oh, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> he's, I've heard you talking about Louder Than Life, and I don't want to give away where this guy lives, but he says he lives close enough to hear it for free every year, uh, which, yeah. honestly, you could be all over the map and hear it for free most years because it's real loud, and that takes place like in the center of yeah. the metropolitan area. But and I'm going uh, to give away something to you, man, because I know you're listening. Uh, I'm, I'm a six-minute drop-off. Like that's how close I am to go to get there to watch that festival. You, you and Robert are practically neighbors, is what we're saying, which is really funny. And it's really funny how big the world is and how small the world is, right? Like we have folks yeah. who who call us and reach out regularly um, from places like New Zealand and Spain. Shouts to to you folks. You know who you are. We appreciate you. And here we are in the middle of literally sort of landlocked in the middle of the country in the United States. And then we find out that we also have folks who came to us through the internet. <laughs> and then finds out, you know, we're practically neighbors. Very cool. Right. Yeah. Um, awesome, Robert. Uh, we are greatly appreciate that. And then I would also like to read from uh, from Ted because Ted said, hey, guys, I've been listening to the Bedtime Stories podcast for some time now. My favorite ever is the Coverdale Page bonus podcast. I, I First of all, I just love that some people are like, like uh, we that, say like bonus and they're that, 15 minutes long or whatever. And then some people are like, I listen to all of the crap that you spent days and weeks on. But, you know, that 15 minutes where you just shot the shit about Coverdale and Page was a real artwork. That is amazing that that's your favorite one. <laughs> Like, oh my God. Uh, and, and I'm not entirely sure what he's referencing here, but at some point we've read something from someone named Walt who said something about, I guess, something about you being awesome. And uh, he said, I want to take what Walt said a little further. Both Brian and Murdoch are awesome. Uh, so sweet. That's very nice. And speaking of people who are not in our hometown, that's, that's Ted from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, hey, what's up, Ted? What's up, BC? That's- I used to listen to this program on uh, nonprofit Christian radio, and it would, and they would always say at the end of it, this is when I was a kid, and they would say, they would like give the American address for where you could send them letters, and then they would give the Canadian address, and I, that's, I always, Vancouver, BC, and I was like, I never knew what that was, like, until I got a little older, and obviously like, oh. I went to school. I'm like, what's Vancouver, BC? And the, oh, that's in Canada. So, shouts to Vancouver, BC, Canada. Ted, I wanted to. I wanted to move there. It was like 2004. I like really, really looked into it. Like before you, you moved know here. What? Um, yeah, yeah. I was in Colorado, and I was like, I'm gonna move. I want to move to like Vancouver. I mean, I hear it's beautiful. Oh yeah, and I've st- I still never went to get. Like I was, I was still young enough to where I was like, I'm gonna move to this I'll just place. Moved it, yeah, right. Tamara, we're we're, um, we're not that young anymore. Just you know, no spoilers on our age, but we're not that young. We're not get up and move tomorrow young. Yeah, but if I had done that, Ted, I wouldn't be living in Kentucky. So take that however you want to. It just sounds funny. Uh, wow. Uh, this has been fun. We are the story guys at gmail.com. If you want to get involved, remember, loud, uh, yes, Louder Than Life, which we already mentioned, is coming up. Uh, but we also are excited to send some folks to Bourbon and Beyond. That is just a month away uh, to see folks like the killers, Brandy Carlisle, Train, Blondie, Bruno Mars, and a whole lot more. And you can sign up just in the show notes. You can click a link there and uh, submit for your chance to win. Even if you're, you know, you might, you have to buy the plane ticket if you're coming from New Zealand, but we might be able to yeah. take care of your. <laughs> of your yeah. four-day pass, which is pretty expensive. Maybe not as expensive as the plane ticket, but pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, foot uh, a postscript, Brandy Carlisle, Black Keys, Buddy Guy, uh, Brittany Howard, Gaslight Anthem, Wayne Newton. I love Wayne Newton. Dude, Actually, I, I, I was going to say I love Gaslight Anthem, but it felt better to say I love Wayne Newton. That, I don't know. I what do you think that set's going to be like? Do you Are you going to go to the Wayne Newton set? 
Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to go. I want you to know this. Is, I'm glad we're going to talk about this right now. I'm going to go to the train set. I and, love train. I unabashedly and, love train. Our Patreon folks I, know I love train because I talk about it on the Patreon newsletter. I, I didn't know that. I did. I I knew what they had kind of done. The Led Zeppelin record they did was great. In my studio, I'm looking right now at a signed copy of their CD version (laughs) of. So they did a CD single of Ramble On. They cover Ramble On, and it is a signed version of their Ramble. I mean, I'm a big train guy. Now that said, I like to really claim everything before Soul Sister, but overall, they're pretty damn good. And I've seen that. I saw them in '06, I think, and they were excellent and they did ramble on at the end and yeah right. they, they fucking rock dude so i i just was looking at concerts that were at red rocks because i just wanted to remember was like the red rocks and a, tr- a train came up and it was just individual song instead of the whole show it was like you had to watch each song and the first one i clicked on was sing with me sing for the years and it's like they're doing dream on by aerosmith dude, listen pat can sing that guy oh, has they okay yeah. listen good for them they figured out how to make a song where they basically sing over furry lease and, you know, it was a radio hit. Good for them. They hacked the code. But when it comes down to it, those dudes are rock guys. And I, I'm sure I've told this yeah. story. I'm sure yeah. I've told this story. But there was, at some point, I ended up in a room when back in our radio days when we were with a group of, of musicians who were backing up a, a, a singer. And it's unimportant who the singer was, but he had, like, a bunch of studio guys with him. And one of the studio guys was, a, was his brother, who had been in train for a period. And so yeah. we're eating burgers or whatever in the green room. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, you were in train. And he's like, Oh, I was on this one album. And I was like, dude, that's my favorite album. So I kept asking him questions about it. <laughs> he was very cool. That was a very fun experience. Cause that guy, I was the guy who would be in these rooms with these really famous people. And I would be back with the musicians being like, wait, did you play? Yeah. Like I told you, I mean, this is free form now. We're totally out of the structure of this bonus episode. So let's fucking this, roll. So this is the bonus episode about train. This is the bonus episode of the bonus episode. So I, this is this story. I thought about this the other day cause I hadn't thought about it forever. And I saw somebody who was in the room when it happened and I was like, I remember that time. So I was working non-music related, non-music related. I was working for an event, an event plan, like not an event planning company, but like they planned one event. It was a, it was a festival, but it wasn't like a music festival. And, it was they, a tree festival. It was, it was, right. uh, listen, there was a lot of lectures, there was poetry, all sorts of stuff. And yeah. they were bringing people in from throughout the country and they were like, hey, we've got this one guy who we fly in from San Francisco and he is uh, like our guy who does sound or something. Like he had something that he did in terms of setting everything up. So he was coming in like two weeks before the festival, but he would come in intermittently during the planning period. And so one day he comes in and like, hey, hey, you need to meet. And, you know, of course, I mean, I, won't give too much away, but I will say, obviously, we were going to be friends because the dude's name was Mark. And they're like, hey, Brian, meet Mark. And I was like, oh, what's up, man? And we, and they're like, oh, you're like a music guy, right? Like, that's, you know, that's my reputation. People know that. I don't know if it's my hair, my earrings, what it is. Uh, you're a music guy. Yeah. So we start talking about music. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did, you know, I, I pussed around in the studio, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I'm cutting to the point. I yeah. realize that I'm sitting in this room with a guy who played keys on one of my top five favorite albums of all time in the studio, Third Eye Blind record, because he's from San Francisco. And I was oh. like, okay, first of all, I'm trying not to lose my shit, but you played on, like, this is one of the best records ever. Second of all, I need to know 
I need to know about Stephen Jenkins. Yeah, Stephen Jenkins. <laughs> so, that, that's the next question. So then he started telling me Stephen Jenkins stories, which I've been so I can't tell because they were firsthand given to me. Uh, so they're not ones I feel comfortable sharing on this podcast. But yeah. it didn't make him look great. But it was. Uh, well, if you want to hear one, you can listen to our episode with the lead singer of the Verb Pipe. Oh yeah, and- he had one. Oh, he had a great one, but you have to take a listen to that episode. I can't repeat it at all. Oh, man. Anyway. That's good times. Uh, and then w- we were talking about Louder Than Life, and I th- since we're just grab-bagging it at this point, throwing in random information, one thing we haven't talked about on the show is that friends of the show Foxbat are playing Louder Than Life. So if yeah. you're, you're going to make it to the show, you can see this band that is on the show like soon, you know, relatively regularly. Um, and yeah. we're really excited for them. They just, they, they got an opportunity to be added to that bill. They'll play Friday afternoon. Uh, so if you're going to the fest, make sure to go check out their set. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Are they going to play the vamp of the girl yelling that she wants wings? <laughs> I asked them, I was like, they were like, Hey, what should we vamp with? Like they actually asked me this, which is fun. And so I threw some suggestions at them and I don't want to give away what they have, what they've talked about, but I don't think it's going to be, um, the viral video where the woman yells about Wingstop. But I did I, suggest that. I, that was one of my suggestions. I, I just want Wingstop. So <laughs> I felt that uh, way, man. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I want wings now too. Right. So, but I'm going to go see train and, um, I hope that if anyone else like enjoyed listening to us talk about train this long, if you want to, if you want to win some bourbon and beyond tickets and come see the show with us here in Louisville, Kentucky, you can totally do that at we are the story for sure. Well, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, if you're like, what are these yahoos doing talking about train and you need an entry point and you don't want to come in through meet Virginia or drops of Jupiter or Hey soul sister, there's a record from, I believe it's 2006 called for me it's you and it is phenomenal and it really no radio singles there was there they tried to the song called cab that was a radio single that didn't work but there's no big songs that you know off this record but it is i the patreon folks have heard me yammer on about it before and i'm yammering on it on about it now but it's great for me it's you check it out and with that i think we're done you have anything anything else you want to hear um no. <laughs> All right. So what do I people need to keep good. doing until next time? Hey, keep telling stories. <laughs> <laughs>